0: Hey guys, welcome to the Filming with Josh podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Milligan, and this week's episode is number 32, American Murderer. This is the Filming with Josh podcast, brought to you by Rustic River Media. Welcome to the videographer's home for tips, tricks, and how to make flicks. Thanks guys for tuning into today's podcast. Before we get started on the topic today, I want to talk about the Filming with Josh Facebook group. If you are not yet a member of the Filming with Josh Facebook group, I want to encourage you to jump onto Facebook, go to your search bar, and type in Filming with Josh. The Filming with Josh Facebook group is your home for tips, tricks, and how to make flicks. In this group we are over 600 members strong and we talk about everything from uh, how to price your video work, how to get clients, how to write a contract, um, to camera questions how to set your f-stop, how to create uh, shot sequences, how to pick a lens. Um, We talk about editing tricks, storyboarding tricks, and so on and so forth. So if you are not a member, ask to join the group today and I'll be sure to add you. I would love for you to come be a part of the group and to be a part of this community we've created. Um, And if you are a member of Filming with Josh, I just want to talk about a quick feature you may not know about on the Filming with Josh page, if you hit the search bar in the group page, you can actually um, search keywords for topics and uh, there's a good chance you'll find conversation on questions you might have that have already taken place. So if you're interested in looking for uh, information on lens selection, or how to select uh, an editing computer, or how to price your work, just go to the Filming with Josh Facebook group, click on the search button in the group, type in computers, or um, type in something like pricing, and all of the conversations we've had on the group that break down those different topics will be right there for you to look at. That's a quick way to see if we've already covered a topic you might want to talk about. And if not, then feel free, of course, to post uh, any questions in the group and we'll be happy to get on and answer them for you. And if you don't have a question, if you just have something you want to share, a tip, a piece of advice, a review on a piece of equipment, um, please feel free to share there. This is a group page and uh, I, I really would love to see you guys just really take advantage of that. I know many of you already do so I just want to encourage more of you to do so as well. All right, so let's go into today's podcast. Today's episode is American Murderer, and you're probably wondering what in the world are we going to talk about, right? And what I want to talk about is this Netflix documentary that came out on September 30th, so not quite two weeks ago, and it's called American Murderer. And I had the chance. I found out about this documentary from a friend of mine. I was actually at a UT Longhorns football game, a socially distanced football game, the first socially distanced football game I've ever been to. That was interesting. <laughs> um, but we were at the Longhorns game and during uh, a commercial timeout, we were just chatting about different things we've watched lately. And uh, my friend mentioned that he had just wrapped up watching American Murder and how great he thought it was. He didn't tell me anything else about it. He wanted to leave that for me to watch. Um, but I got home, and I'm really into that kind of thing. So I told my wife, I was like, hey, there's a new Netflix doc out called American Murder. We should go watch it. <laughs> and we did. We watched it that same night. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's going to be some spoilers in this podcast. So if you have not seen American Murder and you don't want to have any uh, spoilers, then Get off this podcast and watch it. Um, If you don't mind the spoilers or if you have seen it, um, then keep listening. Because what I want to do today is I want to talk about the film work behind American Murder. And I want to talk about how they produced this project and why we can learn from that. So a little backstory in American Murder. American Murder, like I said, it came out a little over uh, a week and a half ago. And essentially what it is, is it's a documentary about... Again, spoiler alert here. A documentary about this guy who kills his wife and his two kids in Colorado. And he seemed like your normal everyday kind of guy, right? Like if you if you were to see this guy on the street, you would have no idea that he was the kind of guy capable of that kind of thing. In fact, when the documentary first started, I told my wife I was like, there's no way this guy was it. <laughs> you know, no way he did it, but he did, and he's an awful awful he's an awful human being. Like there's just no other way around it. He's terrible. Um <laughs> but he he was this dude that had a job in the oil field and he married this girl. It was her second husband, and I believe it was his first wife, and he one day decided that he wanted to date this other girl he met through his work. She was younger, attractive, hadn't had kids yet, and his wife was really pretty. I don't know why he felt like he needed to do that, but... (laughs) He did. He felt like he wanted to be with this other girl, so he started working out nonstop. He started not communicating with his wife very much. He wouldn't talk to her very much. She'd always ask him what was going on, and he would he would never fight with her or anything. he just always like, oh, everything's fine. Everything's fine. But meanwhile, he was spending a lot of time out with this other girl. And then finally, one day, his wife uh, told him that she was pregnant with her third child, and I guess he just didn't want it anymore. And rather than just leave her, which he could have done, or, you know, man up and be with your wife, which is what he really should have done. But he could have left his wife to go be with this girl if he wanted to. But instead, he chose to kill her. She came home one night and he killed her and killed her two. their two kids and went and dumped them off in this oil pad that he worked at that was over an hour away from the house, just dumped them, put the two kids in this oil well, and uh, put his wife's body out in the middle of a field near the oil pad site, and then put his called his real estate agent, said he wanted to sell the house, and called his girlfriend and said he was ready to start their life together. I don't know why he didn't think he was going to get caught, um, but he did, and like I said, he's an awful human being, and that's all I'm going to say about that. From a storytelling perspective, the way this documentary came together was brilliant. I've never seen one like this before, and I thought it was superbly done. Um, Essentially, there was no actual dedicated film work. In fact, I think the only video shots that were actually shot for this documentary, for this Netflix original documentary, was a few drone shots of the oil pad site where the bodies were. That's it. That's all the film work that went into it. They didn't have any sit-down interviews. They didn't have any creative B-roll. No gimbal shots, no slider shots, no slow motion, none of that stuff. This story was told in the most creative way I've ever seen. And to me, this documentary is the epitome of story is keen. Here's how they did it. They took footage from the last the last clip ever seen of this girl, which was the, the wife, which was a, uh, a doorbell camera when she was coming home the night he murdered her. They took footage from the body cams on the police officers when her friend reported her missing and then got access to the house um, when they went looking for um, this missing woman. And they had several police officers' body cam footage that they took uh, video from. They took video from security cameras on neighboring houses. They took video footage from news reporters. They took video footage from um, the courtrooms where the hearings were happening. They took video footage from security cameras or tape cameras, not security cameras, but tape cameras inside of interrogation rooms, and so on and so forth. And they pulled audio from all of those different cameras and took all of that footage and made this documentary. No interviews, no creative B-roll, no slow motion, no slider shots, no gimbal shots, no jib, dolly, or <laughs> steady cam shots, none of that. Literally, the only creative shots I saw in this whole entire film was a few drone shots of the pad site, just so you could see where the bodies were, which obviously makes sense. Outside of that, it was all doorbell footage, security camera footage, body cam footage, cell phone footage, footage from news sources and footage from the courtrooms and footage from the interrogation rooms. That's it. That's all it was. And they had enough of that stuff that they were able to put together an entire story of this whole thing happening. And you see it from the very beginning when... This girl calls into the police to report her friend missing. And then the police come and they try to find a way to get in the house. And they ask neighbors if they know, if they've seen this girl. And then the husband, they finally get a hold of him. And he comes home and he takes them through the house. And he's like, oh, look, there's her wedding ring left on the, conveniently left on the table. Because he had set it up, right, to make it look like she left him and took his two kids. The guy never shared a tear, by the way. He's an awful person. Anyway. But, like, you see the police body cam footage of him picking the ring up off the desk and or off the table, and you see body cam footage of them searching the house. You see body cam footage of the police officers talking to neighbors, and the neighbors saying, man, there is something not right about this guy today. He never fidgety like this. You see that, and you see cell phone footage, and then these news cameras come in a day or so later to talk about this missing Colorado woman and her missing kids and, and her parents coming on uh, on TV begging for her to be returned Or or if she's it really did run away to come home, and and then you this is the best part. Then you see them take the husband into the interrogation room, and this is the part that really brought this documentary together. And what it is, you see on TV this good cop, bad cop routine, right? Guy walks in, slaps the overhead light, you know, shadows are bouncing up and down off the wall, and there's a good cop and a bad cop and all that. Well, this, you get to see a real-life version of this. All it was was just a camera mounted in a room up in the ceiling filming this woman as she and this guy, as they talk to this, this husband, and then the woman says, hey, do you agree to do a lie detector test? And he, and he does. And before she hooks him up, she said, you know, I know that you're probably clear because uh, obviously nobody would be dumb enough to take a lie detector test if they had something to hide. So here in, here in a few moments, we'll have your name cleared. So, you know, great choice to do this so we can get this out of the way. But she was working him and she made him nervous because now he's thinking going into this, oh my gosh, she's gonna catch me. And you get to see that. And you get to see her asking him the questions and his him tensing up and her asking him to just quit trying to control his breathing, which he obviously was doing. And you get to watch that. And you get to watch her her come back in the room pat him on the back and bring in another police officer with her to be like hey thanks for doing that and she's like can we get you anything and she's real friendly and he's like no I'm good and she goes okay well thanks for taking the lie detector test and uh, I just want to say there's a few things that were pretty obvious and one of them is that you clearly uh, lied to us about everything you said and that was the oh shit moment pardon my language but that's warrants that it really was one of those oh shit moments where he he's like oh no and they break him they work him back and forth and you get to watch them break this guy in real life and crack him and get him to admit what he did and and he he first admitted it to his dad and then he admitted it to them but you get to see that and then you get to see him in the courtroom and and going through the process of the trial and then him accepting uh, a, a guilty plea. And you get to watch all of it. And none of it was recreated. None of it was creative B-roll. All of it was just real documentary footage shot, uh, not even by filmmakers, but just shot off of phones and, and news cameras and court cameras and things like that. And so what made this documentary so special and so unique was that they had all these components to put together this incredible story. And it's a sad story and it's kind of hard to watch, but it's an amazing story, and you could tell, man, they got this guy. They nailed him, and watching him crack under pressure in, in real life, a real person doing that was amazing to see. And that's what really made American Murder such a great documentary, and, man, it's a hit. You look online, people everywhere are talking about it. Most of my friends have seen it. It's really, really good. But what what we can learn as filmmakers from this documentary is how important the storytelling element really is. You know, we live in a day and age now where, with YouTube and Instagram and Facebook, all you see all the time is people talking about getting bangers and fire content. Right? Those are are words I see thrown around all the time. I'm I'm still trying to understand what a banger is, but apparently it's a cool shot. <laughs> um, and you, and, and part of that is because not only do we have so much. Um, content that's easy to see in front of our fingertips. But it's also because equipment is more affordable now than ever, right? You have uh, gimbals that cost $500 and you have, which is crazy because I paid over $5,000 for my Movi M5 back in the day, right? And you have drones that you can get a quality, decent little drone for $1,000. And you can get Uh, slow cameras that shoot slow motion for a thousand bucks or less, you know, And, and, and you can get quality lenses pretty cheaply, man. You can get sliders for pennies on the dollar. And because we have all this quality, affordable gear at our fingertips, people buy that stuff and then they focus on getting what what they like to call bangers or fire content where they shoot slow motion and creative shots and sun flares and stuff and and don't get me wrong people are creating some gorgeous content for for hardly anything when you compare to what you know 20 years ago it would have taken to capture this kind of stuff it's really neat what we can do and there are some really creative and talented people out there and but the thing is is that these people have a tendency and I was guilty of this several years ago being that guy where you you have have this to these tools at your disposal and so you want to use them and so you you that's that's what you focus on is using your gimbal, using your slider, using slow motion, and then putting all of that to a cool music track and throwing it online. But the thing is is that is that that is what is becoming the norm today, and that's what everyone seems to be striving to do? And as such, we're losing the art of storytelling, right? This 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 documentary, American Murder, had none of that. I mean, the only aerial shot I saw in the whole thing was to show you where the body was, and it what it, or bodies, and it wasn't. It wasn't really even a creative uh, thing. It was just a storytelling shot just so you could see it, right? And it's not that like creative shots are bad. Obviously, in in all of my work, I wanna have creative shots. I want all my shots to be creative. But at the same time, story has has to be key. It has to be the first and foremost thing that you focus on. And the creative shots, all they do is help you tell it. And if they're not helping you tell the story, then you shouldn't have them in there. I know that one of, my, one of my better projects I made early on in my career, uh, well, not, I, I wouldn't say early on in my career, but about halfway through my career, about five or six years ago, I made, this, um, I made this project. I went to Alaska. I spent three weeks there, and I just got my FS7, and I shot everything in 4K60, everything. And I shot some 180 frame shots too. And I got some beautiful shots when I was there. Really beautiful shots. I had three weeks, right? And I was filming uh, brown and black bear hunts to make an outfitter marketing video for this client, Parker Guide Service. And they're one of my biggest clients. I've done a ton of work for them before then and, and, and now still. Um, but essentially, I spent three weeks to make a four or five minute long marketing video. And honestly, it shouldn't even have been that long, but I wanted it to be because I had three weeks of content, right? And I came home and because I had access to 4K60, I used it for everything. (laughs) Um, There were parts of this project that was really well done. I wrote a voiceover script that sounded really good and I hired a guy who sounded just like Samuel Elliott. I paid like $650 for this five minute or four and a half minute long voiceover, right? And um, I, I took that voiceover, which was really good. But then I cut it together with tons and tons of slow motion stuff. And back in the day, I thought it was really cool. Right. And it's still I still do like it. And a lot of people did like it. But when I look at it now, I cringe. Right. Because it was all slow motion. And that was what I used to tell the story. I just did slow motion and voiceover. And and since then, I have made it a point. Right. To avoid that as best as I can. And in fact, in the last four years, I've used hardly any slow motion in my work, very, very little. I only use it if it helps me tell a certain part of a story or show something off um, that, or get a point across. It's a tool to me. I only use it as a tool. About the only time I ever shoot a lot of slow motion is if I'm shooting... Um, uh, higher end real estate. I don't really do residential real estate, but if I'm doing a uh, commercial real estate or something and I'm, and I'm doing a lot of gimbal shots to go from room to room, I'll shoot that in slow motion, but that's only because I use it as a tool to help me sh- jump, run into a room and show it really slowly. Right. But like outside, I mean, that's, that's just real estate, but in, in, the, in my commercial work in my short films in my, in my, uh, my my kind of documentary stuff I do, as, as well as my event videos and things like that. Very, very, very little slow motion. Same thing goes for gimbal work. Again, in real estate, obviously you're going to do some of that. But in my in my commercial work, my storytelling work, all of those kinds of things, I use very little gimbal shots. I don't use a ton of slider stuff. Uh, I do use my gimbal. I do use my slider. And again, I do use some slow motion, but they're just tools that I use for certain shots. I don't force them. I do use my drone for some things, but I don't use it for everything, right? And uh, I use my jib every once in a while if there's a shot that calls for it but I've challenged myself over the last four or five years to focus so much more on uh, the story I'm telling and or or the commercial and and what the messages we're trying to get across and I focus so much more on that than I do those creative shots and I, and I focus on those things first and it's really made me focus on on storyboarding right I write out what the what the voiceover is going to be or what the message is going to be if we're doing an interview and we write out what they're going to say ahead of time and then I plan out the shots and I go get the shots so we can cut them with what they're talking about. And when you do it that way, you don't have to have all these creative shots. You don't have to rely on sun flares. You don't have to rely on gimbal work. You don't have to rely on slow motion because you have this story or this message or this, or this script that you're gonna be shooting to. And that's what your focus is, right? It's the story or the message. That's the primary focus. And then if along the way, those shots, those slider shots, gimbal shots, slow motion stuff, uh, if, if they provide value to it and you can get those different types of shots to help you tell your story or show your message, then that's when I'll use them. And, then, and at that point, that's what really brings together the better projects, right? Like one of my favorite pro- projects I've ever done is Heart of the Hollow, and that was there was zero slow motion in the entire project. Um, it was a it was a voiceover script I wrote about a guy telling about his love for this ranch, and you might have seen it. And then I had a, I had a, no slider shots, no gimbal shots, no slow motion. It was all either handheld shots tripod shots and some aerials to show off uh, the property. And that was it. That's all I had. And and it was, my, in my opinion, my one of my better projects I've ever made. But I challenged myself to do that. I challenged myself to focus 100% on the story and only get creative shots if I felt like it contributed to the story. And American Murder is one of the best examples of that I've ever seen in my life. Because it had nothing to do with creative shots. It was all 100% about the story. And it's extremely captivating and is rising in the charts on Netflix right now. And people all over the world are watching it because it's so fascinating. It's such a great story. Free Solo, many of you have seen Free Solo is another great example. What a, what a wonderful documentary. They won an Oscar for best documentary, right? And These aren't, this isn't, this wasn't some multi, you know, hundred million dollar project. You know, there was money behind it and there was, uh, there was a team behind it and, and there was experienced videographers behind it. But they focused on the story of Alex making this extremely dangerous climb on El Capitan and they focused on that and not on, Getting a bunch of slow motion or a gimbal or drone shots. They focused on the story. They when they couldn't even get drone shots because in national parks you can't fly a drone. You have to have like a helicopter pilot, which they did do uh, one helicopter shot or a couple helicopter shots. Um, but the rest of it was all focused on on the story, it wasn't focused on just creative B-roll. And so I just wanna talk about that today because when I watched American Murder, to me it was such a wonderful example of why storytelling is key and why getting fire content and banger shots and shooting in raw and getting all of these gimbal shots and all this stuff is not really what makes a good story and it's not what captivates an audience. You might get people to applaud you for your creativity but you'll never grow as a filmmaker until you learn to make story your number one concern. And that is what American Murder did, man. It was, it was brilliantly put together. And if you have not seen it, I want to encourage you to watch it. And if you haven't seen Free Solo, well, we can't be friends. <laughs> You've got to watch Free Solo. It's incredible. But I hope that you guys will watch American Murder. I hope you will watch Free Solo as well. And I hope that when you watch it, you'll see what I'm talking about and how you can tell a wonderful story if you make the story your first and foremost priority. You can still have creative shots, but make them storytelling elements and focus on the story first. That was the lesson that American Murderer told. Thanks, guys, for listening to today's podcast. I know it was a shorter one. It was just something on my mind, so I was drinking coffee this morning and thought I'd talk about it. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns about American murder, there might be some concerns. I had some. (laughs) Um, Feel free to jump on the Filming with Josh page and to start a conversation about it. Again, if you are not a member of the Filming with Josh group, please join today. See you guys next week. To learn more about Rustic River Media, visit us online at rusticriver.media. Thanks for listening to the Filming with Josh podcast. Catch every episode by hitting subscribe today.